What's up, everybody? My name is Lamont, and welcome back to the God is My Source podcast. We bridge the gap between God, money, health, family, relationships, education, business, because we know that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So we got Jasmine on hand on the line right now. From that, da- da- you from Dallas, correct? Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas is in the building. Woman of God, the nonprofit startup coach. You yeah. feel me? The nonprofit startup coach. She helps people start nonprofits from scratch. So we're going to get into this episode. She don't hide her Jesus. No, she don't hide her Jesus. You feel what I'm saying? She is not ashamed of the gospel. So this is going to be an amazing episode. So we're going to bow our heads. We're going to pray. And then we're going to get into right into everything. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to show your light, show your grace. We ask you to speak to us on tonight so that we can be able to draw souls near to you, Father God, and bring souls back to you to have drawn a slay. We thank you for each and every opportunity you give us to just bring your word in front of the people because your word is truth. Your word is light. You're not like a man that you shall lie. You're not like the son of man that you shall repent. So we thank you that you allowed us to put you first on today. And we thank you for being our source. For it is in Jesus' mighty name I pray. It is so and it shall be. Amen. Amen. What's up, Jasmine? How you doing today? I'm good. I'm feeling better now that I'm here. Amen. 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 We was having a brief conversation because she was like, uh, <laughs> she had to make sure she was like, wait, she had asked me like earlier in the week. She was like, you're Christian, correct? I was like, yeah, I'm Christian. She was like, oh, because I had to make sure because sometimes people, we don't be talking <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm sanctified, feel with the Holy Ghost. You feel what I'm saying? Like, we got Jasmine on here on the line. It's gonna be an amazing episode. So, how's everything going for you? I'm feeling good. Things are going well. I really cannot complain. I just feel very like blessed, and I feel so thankful that God has kept so many things from me that he did not give them to me in the season where I was begging for it and I wanted it. My character couldn't handle it. My heart posture wasn't prepared for it. And I'm just thankful that the season of development and darkness that he had me in actually gave me the roots necessary for my seed to exponentially grow and produce such a multitude of fruit in such a short amount of time. So I just feel really like thankful. Like this is just a season of it reminds me i think it's in the scripture in psalm something about the tree being planted by the streams and that in every season it would produce something and produce a fruit and that's what god's idea is for his children is that no matter the valley or the peak that we would produce fruit and that the fruit of long suffering i do have that fruit and i understand what it feels like to go through a season be praying for something for years and not see it but the fruit of that is that I have the long suffering, but my eyes didn't turn away from God and my devotion. So I just am really embracing the maturity that God has gifted me with in this season and my faith and how I see that all those years when I was like, okay, Lord, fine, you have it your way. I'm going to fast at the beginning of the year. I'm going to do this thing at the beginning of the year because I know if I have the strongest year spiritually, I will have the best year of my life every year. And making that devotion, you know, in 2018 until now, that wasn't even the year I got saved. It was just like, that was the year I just chose to stop being so lukewarm. And the moment I was like, okay, God, I'm all in. I'm thankful that the pruning and the cutting 
wasn't in vain and that I didn't, even when I despised moments, God like has brought it full circle. And I'm just excited for what he's going to do in the future too, because my heart posture, you know, and my devotion to him is just like, I'm not turning away. I don't care what, what I'm going through, what is happening, what I have, what I don't have. I have everything I need already. Amen. Amen. No, that's important because sometimes we think that when we get saved or when we start to live the proper way, we just not going to go through nothing. And that is not correct because the enemy going to come every which way. Now, I know I'm in a season right now where he can't really attack me the same way he used to. So now he's trying to pull from other ways. He coming from the cut. You feel what I'm saying? He, he hit me with, with a, a family member, do something random, or just somebody in traffic, do something random, or be at the store. You just like. Yeah, or like those old, or those old habits, you know, like that you start getting the itch for him again. You're like, now hold on now. I, Where'd that come from? <laughs> I, ain't, I, ain't, I ain't smoked you in a minute, but I may roll you up. Like. And just being in that space to say, okay, God, but temptation is normal, but I will not yield to it. I will yield to you is just a different heart posture because the enemy is always lurking. And I think that's something that believers don't do, especially like in the marketplace, like you find CIA Christians. It's like, I didn't even know you was one when like, you know, it's like, cause they don't want to be typecast, but I don't care how you typecast me. It is what it is. Like, you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you come just to know that this is what you're going to get. I'm going to be authentic. I'm going to tell you what it is. You're, I'm from Dallas, by the way, of Garland, by the way, of Tennessee, Alabama. So I'm all the way Southern with it. But, like, I'm not going to choose those things. I'm a black woman, too. I'm a wife. Like, I'm not going to choose those roles, though, and those, I, those places God has put me over my faith and who I'm connected to. I'm a daughter of the most high God. So when I go into spaces, I hold myself as such. Uh, I use every opportunity to be a moment where I can display a re response. So when someone's thinking of one, I'm super against networking. I'm so against networking. I think it is like the most trash thing ever that we could ever do. Oh. I just, it's like, why are y'all in here? Y'all are not like, you don't like them. She don't like you. You're in here I trying see. to just get stuff from each other versus like give things to one another. Genuinely. I'm all about building authentic relationships before I do anything with anybody. I got to check your character. So I'll have multiple conversations with you before I even go into anything with you. I'll pray about it. I will make sure to check. Like it, they don't even have to be a Christian. I'm just saying like, Making sure though, God's just been faithful that it's been very odd. It seems like everyone that he's been sending to me has been that, but say that they're just, if your character's off to me and my discernment is saying, the Holy Spirit's like, no, I don't care if it's a great, a brand deal reached out to me recently, a lucrative brand to be a part of their campaign. And I'm just like, I'm not feeling y'all's, y'all, how y'all know? I don't, I'm not morally attached to that. Like, no. So what happens is a lot of believers, they come into the marketplace and they feel like because they're trying to make a lot of money and they're trying to be somebody else and they're trying to be the next Elon Musk, they're trying to be the next like Russell Brunson and they're trying to be the next whatever, Oprah, Tyler Perry, whoever, you insert the name. But because they're trying to be the next, they don't understand that they are actually the next thing God was raising up. 
and they're afraid to be who he's authentically called them to be. So with your corks, with your sense of fashion, how you love makeup, how you love to dress and you want to smell good, you want to put a suit on, like those are those are opportunities to actually give people a response because what is somebody going to say when you walk in really confidently? It's just the way you came in. It was something about you that made me say, "What's it? What is that?" Oh, God's been good. Okay, so let's talk more about that. That will make it's not going to hit the same with everybody, but someone may be curious and be like, what does that even mean? What are you talking about? And now because you led out of a place of excellence and all that you did, knowing that it gave God glory and your heart was postured in the position of, I'm doing this not that I would be seen as, oh, like Jasmine's such a really fashionable, pretty girl. But like, I understand it's also a conversation starter. So, oh, Jasmine, I just love like, how are all these things happening for you? Girl, I don't know. I don't know. God's good. I just know that he promised me these things, so I'm not shocked, but I'm thankful. I'm like really thankful, but I'm not shocked because he showed me these things years before that I don't care if I sound crazy and mystical and like, because you gonna talk about a tree, you gonna talk about a crystal, you gonna talk about sage and everything else, but when I talk about Jesus Christ, so... <laughs> I'm going to talk about my stuff unapologetically as you are as well. And the way that you lead with truth or you lead with your truth, I'm going to lead with truth, one truth. And I'm going to lead with that anywhere that I go. The real truth. I, I talk to people about that all the time because it's like they, they try to draw a thin line between being real and, and understanding the word of God so much. But the word of God is the truth. Like it's like it's not. I take it as sometimes we think that we can just live by the word suggestively, not paying attention that it is law. And when you live by these laws, you're conducted, like you conduct your life bomb. He said in Joshua 1 and 8, he said, I'm paraphrasing, he said, Joshua 1 and 8 said, if you live by this law, you're going to prosper, you're going to be successful. You feel mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, so he's telling them like, you follow everything I just gave y'all. Y'all just went through the wilderness. Y'all just went through the storm. I took y'all through through oceans twice. You feel what I'm saying? I parted the seas twice for y'all to see like what time it is. And then he anointed Joshua. He like, all right, look, we about to walk around this wall. You feel me? Everybody be quiet. Don't say nothing. I, I don't care. You don't say nothing. We're going to walk around this wall seven days. Then seven days, we go yell. <laughs> walls come down and we, we we taking over you feel what i'm saying like and funny thing is i was reading joshua today and god was telling me i had made a mistake on doing something i had made a business move and i didn't necessarily ask god before i did it mm. i thought it was because i was in the season of i had a dream like because i had prophetic dreams sometimes yeah. and some and i had a dream and it was like the dream had led to god telling me like you be waiting too long to make a decision. Mm. I'm thinking in this season, I just need to be just making decisions because I'll be, I be taking too long. <laughs> so I made a decision. It messed me up a little bit. But then I was reading Joshua and it was talking about how when the, uh, I think they were the Gershonites. I think it was the Gershonites. I'll have to, uh, it was either the Gershonites or the Gibeonites. They, mm. they finessed them. They didn't want to die because, you know, they was coming through. They was killing everybody. They was slaying everybody. And, he was like, they they came to him, they finessed him. They like, yeah, we we are poor. We need some food. We want to know if we can make an alliance and a league with you all because we just we just see you all are strong. Then Joshua and I'm like, well, why y'all want to make a league with us? Like, I don't even know how to do that. 
So they end up making a pact, making a league with them, but they never asked God if that's what they were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And they find out like three days later, they walk in, they like, wait, I thought y'all said y'all came from around the way. They like, no, we, we're actually your neighbors. We apologize, but we didn't want you to kill us. But now they can't do nothing to them right. because they made a pact to God that they was going to make the bond. Mm-hmm. But the next thing that they did was this how they end up conquering Israel. Yeah. This is how they end up getting all of Canaan. They 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 conquered Jerusalem. They conquered all these different places to where now it's like, all right, y'all messed up, but I'm going to still bless y'all more than what y'all could have. But just know, don't make that mistake again. You better ask me before you make a decision. And that was something I had to sit with. And we all better start paying attention to that because if we don't, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, yeah. And and that's good because you want to be very sure about like, I think there's a fine line between God, I am not, I'm I'm so afraid I'm going to be out of your will that I don't do anything. And I think there's the other extreme is that you just doing stuff. And then like when things blow up, it's like, but God, you told me. It's like, <laughs> no, God did not tell you to do that. Sit down. So whenever I get, I have had a fear. I mean, deeply like, you know, I'd be like, Lord, I, the Lord is so gentle and he's so kind and he's so holy. And one of the things though, that also we don't always talk about is that God has like just anger and that he has a just will. And he wants to see it done into the earth. But I had like the extreme Christian like belief of God, if I don't, if I don't stay in your will, oh my gosh, what's going to happen to me? But even the fact that I'm consistently saying I, I want to be in your will, I'm in his will. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that I'm going to him, Lord, I don't want this to be out of your will. I want to make sure this is in your will. My heart posture is already positioned with I'm not, my desire is not to be out of your will. I'll be in your will because I'm already doing what Jesus did. Like, I'm not going to do my way. Like, if this is not in your will, I won't do it. But I'm going to keep going, Lord, until you make it obvious that it's a no or that it's a yes. And I think that's the heart posture to be in anyways. It's just that God, like, I'll. this is what I want to do. But if you say otherwise, I'll do this. God, this is my desire, but if it doesn't turn out that way, I understand you don't do bad things. You do only good things, so it's for my good. So I think I said it earlier was that I'm so thankful for the things God blocked me from, that when I was praying that they would happen then, I look back, I'm like, girl, you wouldn't even know what to do. You would have been looking so stuck and so shook. And I'm thankful that now, like even just two weeks ago, I really thought that I was like, God, you know, because the challenge, I'm going to launch it and it's going to be ready. And and God's like, yeah, no, 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 you don't even know what you. And now, like, as I talk about it and I get really excited about what the what the coaching program is going to look like, I even feel more confident. And it's like in three weeks, I'm going to feel really, really confident to go the extra mile and do this thing. But it's just understanding, like, God, your will. I think if I would have done it in disobedience. Like the fact that I had the sensitivity to still stop it, even though, and sometimes, oftentimes when you're following the Lord, you're going to do something and speak out of turn. And God's like, no, draw back. And if you're obedient and you're sensitive enough to the Holy Spirit and you revere God in a way of, I don't want to also be out of your will. I know being in your will and being uncomfortable is way better than being comfortable and being out of your will. And 
even if sometimes you're gonna look silly sometimes you don't look like you don't know what you're talking about i told several people yeah you know because i'm dropping this date it's dropping this date it's dropping this date so much so someone reached out to me on instagram and was like uh holding me accountable they're like so like i know you're dropping it tomorrow are you excited and i was like oh lord i gotta go back lord and i gotta oh, tell lord. them and me i'm the type to tell you all of it i'm gonna be like well I was doing it. God told me no and blah, 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 which can sound like to someone else, they crazy. They just being scared. And this entrepreneurship, like we hear it all the time. Go now is you got to do it. Blah, 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 blah. But I'm not listening to you. You not God. I'm listening to like the tactics, the skills, the tools, but I'm going to consult everything with the Lord whether I'm in therapy, whether I get somebody speaks a prophetic vision, I test everything by the spirit. So if you come to me and it's like, oh, this is a great thing. Do this thing now. You need to be a coach in this. You need to launch this business idea. We hear now, start a podcast now. This is the time to start a podcast, podcast, podcast. The Lord told me personally not to do that until 2025. And I, he gave me this idea two years ago, the podcast. And he know I got a lot to say. So I'm like, okay, God, I'm just going to be obedient with what you say. So even in spaces when you, everyone around you is you know, doing this thing that they're like, it, it's lucrative. And it's like, man, God, I'm missing it. I'm missing the, I'm missing it. It's, it's like, trust me, because I'm going to also take you to a place further than you could have taken yourself. So I think that's one of the best places to be as a believer, but even like taking it back, like in the marketplace, like we are called to be a light into the world. And when you do have the CIA Christians or, um, this, it's funny that I'm calling them that. <laughs> Because it's true. You be next to them and they be like talking about they go to this church. I'm like, what? I didn't know you, you, you could do this. I didn't even know. It's because they're like hiding because they don't want to be put in a box. Mm -hmm. But I'm okay with you putting me in a box. I'm just not for you then. That's okay. Like if that's, and the funny thing is, it's be crazy to me. People be like, I get it. The history of history, Christianity, I get it. The wars that have been started over religion and all, I understand it completely. But it's crazy to me that sometimes the people who be like Christians are so judgmental, y'all be judgmental to us. I'm like, I didn't even do nothing to you. I just said something about, oh yeah, you know, the scripture, I'm just so thankful for Jesus. It's like, mm. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to. It's like, you're judging me. I'm not even thinking that about you. So I think that's a funny dynamic that plays out. But I understand it. So that's what it is. That's the enemy, though, because the enemy don't want them to know the truth. So it like it ignites something in them, mm -hmm. make them want to veer away from it. If that makes sense. Yeah. I that, uh, from one of my pastors before, they was talking about that. Like, you know, you walk into a room and you just, you just shape the atmosphere. It's yeah. because like the de the demons, they already know who you is in the spirit. I remember I heard Sydney Trim say, she was like, we got It's important that we got to understand our rank in the spirit. And that's one thing I've been asking God, like, like show me like where, where I'm at. So I don't be making the wrong moves because if you know your rank in the spirit, you understand that certain demons, they don't even got jurisdiction to even mess with you for real, for real. And people always, when they pray, they like, uh, we fighting the devil, this, that, and the third, like devil Satan, get behind me, this, that, and the third. She said something so bold like this. She was like, most people, well, almost everybody. She said, if you look in the Bible, you see that Satan only tempted two people, Adam, Jesus. She was like, so when we think the devil is attacking us so much, we got to understand the laws of the spirit. 
These are other demons. So we got to know these demons by their name, where they come from. So when we casting everything down, casting everything away from us, we understand what is really going on. That's when we start to really live in that spiritual being and draw away from the flesh and understand that we don't. What do you think that she meant when she was saying that about the ranking? Well, because we all got a different purpose. Mm -hmm. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers, some pastors. And then you got you got other people too as well, because everybody not called to the leadership of the church, but it all comes with responsibility. It all comes with what you were given, because everybody not giving the same thing. So that's where it comes down to too as well. Yeah, when I hear that, this is what I hear. I actually hear, so you remember whenever the disciples were, uh, it's in the gospels, but when they were going to cast out the demon, the demon like beat them up. <laughs> the yeah. demon was beating them up. And they were like, Jesus, like, and it was another time they went, the, another time they went to cast it out and the demon, it was like, I don't know you, I know Paul. I, I, know, know. I don't know you, get on my face. <laughs> And what I hear when I hear that is that there are so many believers who are sitting in the the beauty of abundance and hope and the joy, but there's also a disconnect of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. is that we don't understand there's a triune God and that we are attached. We have an advocate. Jesus is actually not physically here with us anymore. Like he gave us the Holy Spirit, which is him in spirit right which is god in spirit and we have the holy spirit with us all the time and that so many believers come into spaces and they'll say things like this i've been guilty i've said this before i don't want to go in there what if what they got jump on me i don't want to go in there what if it what if it changed my life what if what they got messed me up and i started having bad dreams you got the you got the blood on you you got the Holy Spirit. You better go in there and tell them what it is. I remember I go into this rescue mission in San Francisco when we lived in the Bay Area in the Tenderloin. And if you know anything about San Francisco, the Tenderloin is the darkest place to ever go. What is it? It's a neighborhood. It's very small block, but it's one of the darkest places. Like uh, people who have been in the army and gone to Afghanistan and Iraq literally say it's scarier there than it was when they were overseas. What's the, it's like, the, what, the hood? It's the hood, but it's like, essentially it's the hood, but it has like things that I feel like even normal hoods don't have. Like you have people using, um, hold on, let me turn that off. You have people using crack, cocaine, heroin, like in broad daylight. Mm. You have um, sex traffickers just out there ready to grab people. You have set people with girls that have been sex trafficked just on the road just trying to find their way you have prostitutes you have pimps everywhere and the, the block is very small so it's a lot happening in this short block you have um people selling so i guess it is the hood i grew like i grew up in the hood for some time and then my mom moved us to the suburbs and we were living low low income but in the suburbs like we were living there and every time we would Lord, different story, but literally, literally every time like we would be in the suburbs, say we were in our neighborhood with our friends, while well, everybody it was easy for them to get their lights paid for, we'd be in the house with candles. We'd be like, okay, light them candles. Hey, anyway. hey, talk about it. So my mom, like, I don't know that life like that. So maybe that is the hood, but like it is extreme. And 
God called me to that space to go to it weekly for an entire year. And I remember the first time I went, I would, I would go speak and I would volunteer and help and teach them. And this was the same year I was fasting from social media, an entire year off of it, which was funny because this is also the year that I took the leap to be an entrepreneur. And I remember when I first went into the rescue mission, I was like, I, after I left, I, every week I would come with a word, a word that God gave me and to lead them to Jesus, to lead them to the cross. And I was like, God, I can't do it. I can't go back. Like, I was too scared. I was like, people were trying to grab me. The, the, the like, darkness was so thick in there. Not only, like, am I sensitive to, like, spirits. Like, I'm sensitive in my spirit, but I'm also, like, an empath by nature. So I'm like, there's a lot happening in here, Lord. I'm too sensitive for this. So then I told God, if you need me to do that, Lord, I need you to, like, give me supernatural strength and boldness. And I came the second time, and after coming for a few weeks, I remember you start seeing things. The enemy he get agitated. It's like, and the thing is, that's biblical. When the when like the when God is in the room, and God is present, His children are present. People who got like these things in them, these spirits, they get agitated. So they start doing stuff like randomly screaming out of nowhere, like flipping a table, getting mad, and you're like. And if you don't understand, like in the spirit realm, you're like, the spirit is more real than the physical. Like that's what really think about that. The spirit mm -hmm. is more real than the physical that I can pick up. Why are you doing that? Let me close this. That whenever you pick up a laptop, whenever you pick up a phone, the spirit is more real than that. What I'm physically holding in my hand, yes. that should make you literally be like, hold on now. That's wild. So whenever we use the word, we use the language like it was just your energy. It was just your energy made me feel something. I get that. Like you can feel when somebody's energy is off, but what we're really saying is, is something. There's a spirit on you that feels something like heavy. So I remember I went in there, and the more I started going, I was getting more bold, and I'm getting like I'm just feeling like you know I'm not asking. I'm taking. I'm taking territory. I'm taking what's mine, and I'm telling you, devil, you don't have power in this room at all. That revival will break out, and I'm like going in, and people are coming to the altar, and they're falling on their knees, and all these things, and God's radically moving. And I remember someone stands up, and they just start acting crazy. Like everything just starts going crazy. Like they guys start screaming, and he's saying he's gonna get me, and he's like he turns. Actually, I walked in there. It was like my third day or something. And he says to me, why are you here? And I said, now I was sensitive enough. And I said, I'm talking to that spirit now. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, why are you here? I hate you. I hate you. You come every week. I hate you. Leave. And he was so mad. And my sister was like, that, that was that spirit in him. That spirit in him was like, stop coming. You're tormenting me. And when I got on that stage, I started speaking to the spirits in there, get out of them. When I mean, literally, I have no footage of this. And it's crazy because it was the things God was doing. I remember one guy, there was somebody off to the side, like praying over me, like interceding, making sure like, just she's good. Like whatever the enemy's doing here, someone stands up. I remember they had like a, a knife and they were like, um, one of the guys had to escort them out. Things start falling that normally don't fall. They've fallen off the walls. Things are getting disrupted. And the enemy was doing everything he could to shake me, but I was not shaken at all because I understand the authority that I walk in. Like, I have authority. God said I have authority mm -hmm. over all things here on earth. I have authority that he gave 
that Jesus has. So I don't, I'm not scared if I walk into a billion dollars. Don't, that does not intimidate me. A million dollars doesn't you having more things on earth. Doesn't make me feel small. I know who I am and I know whose I am. So when I go into a space that feels dark, I understand I'm called to be a light. I'm going in there confidently and I'm speaking in the spirit and I'm telling the Lord, like you've already equipped me for this. So let me take what's mine. Let me take back what's ours and i'm not fighting no devil he already defeated what i'm fighting him for making myself tired jesus stole the keys to death hell and the grave i don't have anything to take i, don't, I mean i don't have anything to be like oh god i hope that i can fight him and i'm scared because i'm about to get the next fight no, he already defeated if anything that shows you know that person who got beat up and after they got beat up they stayed talking they be like i'm good come around me that's literally the devil it's like boy hush get him Run him, put him, put some water on him, put him to bed. That's exactly how I feel about the enemy. I'm like, I'm not shook, I'm not scared. I just say what it is. If I feel something off and I'm in a room, d d Lord, I'm sensitive. Go let me all ahead and uh, take what's mine. Let me come in here and actually start talking about what's mine. I don't feel no way. No, you gotta be like that. You gotta walk in your rooms with authority because if you don't, devil gonna, he gonna have you timid. You feel what I'm saying? If you timid, Feel me? That you gonna have whatever you got faith in. That's why it's important that we watch what we eat, what we what we say, and stuff like that. Because I'm not talking about eat as in literally physically eat yeah. too, but I'm talking about what you read and what you taking in, what you listening to, who you listening to. Because whatever you listen to the most, whatever you read the most, that's what you are gonna have faith in. It's so funny. So many people they be watching the news all the time, or they be on social media all the time, always knowing what's going on on power. You feel me? That's what you got faith in, like. You know what I mean? You feel me? Like you oh, ain't got power head. They gonna come and get you. You know they love power. They gonna come and get you. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, if you know what's going on in power, but you don't understand the economic system or why you in your position and why you can't get up the ladder of the economy, then it's a problem. But you know what what Ghost did? Like you feel what I'm saying? Like Ghost coming back. I swear, Ghost coming back. Well, that's Ghost coming back. Did you know Jesus coming back too? Like. <laughs> Well, that's what the word says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Exactly. But, we miss, but we miss that first part. Faith comes by hearing. What are you listening to? What are you feeding your soul? Like social, but I think like it's so crazy because we have like so many extremes that we go to. It don't mean that you never get on social media. We understand that's also a tool. God will use anything. I'm taking, mm -hmm. I'm not, God will use absolutely anything. So if the enemy is using this thing as evil, how much more could God use it for good? If a good if a good parent on earth gives good gifts, then how much more can my father in heaven give gifts? That as he's given me the tool of social media and he's given me the tool to understand what's going on in the world, it's also what I keep my focus on. Who's who's getting my first? First matters so much to God and that you make time for other things, but who gets your first when you first wake up? I've made a decision that when I wake up in the morning, the first thing that I'm doing is I'm carving out time for God. So, it, you know, um, going to the morning meetup is super early in the morning. I go there in the mornings and I'm like, okay, I'm, the first week I did at the trial, I remember I was so tired. I was like, God, I just don't. And I would do my morning time with him after. And I felt so convicted. And the Lord said, you're blinded by your ambition and that will kill you. You need to connect with me first. I said, but God, I'm about to get up so early. He says, a sacrifice. How, 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 how much do you know that, how dependent are you on me? 
And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, God, well, like I depend on you for absolutely everything. Like, so I just had to get up earlier. And this is also the gag that if I'm in the middle of my time with the Lord and the morning meetup has started, I'm just going to be late. It is what it is. I'm not going to be like, okay, God, only give you 20 minutes. Bye. No, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to soak up the time I have with him. If I log on 20 minutes late and I, and you know, what's crazy. Every time I miss the book club, God still gives me an opportunity to still speak every single time. Like literally, if it's, I literally have been on and it's like, like they're doing questions or someone's talking and it's time for questions and they go, all right, I'm not taking no more. Well, hold on. I'll take one more and I'm the next one. I'm like, and then, or when we're at an event and, um, maybe I was honoring God, just honoring God with your life, right? Like just his, your life. And you make, you make a decision to have a line in the sand and you're at an event and the speaker's like, all right, no more questions. And then they go, all right, well, you know what? I'll take one more from her. I go, thank you, Lord. Someone said to me, dang, you must be God's favorite. I said, I am. I know he ain't got favorites, but I really am his favorite. <laughs> because I literally feel like God is honoring the fact that, like, I understand my weakness is that I am extremely ambitious. Like, mm-hmm. I understand that the Bible even talks about ambition being demonic. And why it talks about that is because we don't have to be ambitious as believers unless we like, we're not ambitious in striving. We're just striding into the next thing mm-hmm. or walking into the next thing God has for us. In the Bible, you never hear Jesus. You never read, hear anything about Jesus running. He never ran anywhere. He was steady with the rhythm that God paced, put a pace on his life for. So he just stayed in the pace of grace that was for him. And when it was time to see it fully into completion, it was done. So I understand that that is a thorn. And I literally said to God, I feel like this thorn will be here. How Paul was like, remove it. That thorn of ambition to create an extreme dependency on him. Because I understand that that runs in me so deeply that I'm dependent to make sure that it doesn't blind me ever. That I don't just take every deal. I don't take every partnership. I don't like just do everything and, and... say yes to any and everything because I also understand there's a pace and grace on my life and at the right time this thing will be birthed or it won't but I know that if it's coming from God then it's good always I'm not I'm making the choice not to run to the next thing because Jesus never ran and I'm called to be an apprentice of Jesus and look just like him here on earth that I'm not running nowhere I'm not afraid of anything if I'm late somewhere because I was you know, spending time with the Lord in the morning, then that's what it is. I'm just late. Like, okay, move on. You know, like, I'm not going to feel like this pressure of, dang, I have to hurry up and get there because I have to show them that I'm good. And if I don't, then if I don't talk about my business enough, then I can't plug it. And then all these things, God has been so faithful. I'm not, that's not a fear of mine anymore. But I understand my thorn though too is, making sure that I don't get blinded by ambition and that the world's saying grind and go harder. Like I'm going to not actually go harder. I'm going to be intentional and I'm going to be precise. Purpose requires precision. So I'm going to be really purposeful with my time with the Lord in the morning. And that's going to be the thing I get lost in in time. If I accomplish three of those things on my 30 thing task for like the week, I also understand that God will be faithful if I'm managing what he's given me and I'm stewarding over it well. That doesn't mean like you just sitting back and like, okay, Lord, like God's like, okay, I'm not asking for five hours. I'm saying like, be intentional with me, but also like the same level of intensity that I would have if it was a business meeting and I'm going to show up and be, present my best self and present myself to like be advanced. 
I'm not doing that with God because I also understand that he's already advanced me where I need to be, right? But I'm going to present myself as my most authentic self. So that's where I get to say, like, fall apart and be like, God, I'm scared. God, I don't know. And his, in my weakness, his strength is made perfect, that I get it from him before I get it from anywhere else. Like, I understand that. And that's the thing that I'm making very clear in my life, especially as an early entrepreneur, that no matter what, I'm here. Like, I'm here with you first. No, amen, amen. Because, like, we only got 24 hours. You feel me? We only got 24 hours. So if you spend majority of your time, you're going to sleep for eight hours. And if you got a job, you're going to go to work for eight. That means you only got eight more hours to do everything else. Mm -hmm. So you need to be purposeful with this time. What if you're not even supposed to be working this job? Yeah. They say the tide of your time is two hours and 40 minutes. You feel what I'm saying? Like two hours and 40 minutes, you get God. What if you give God that two hours and 40 minutes? And he just tell you how to make that same amount of money that you going to work every day for eight hours, 40 hours a week for, he teach you how to make that same amount of money in one hour. Exactly. And that'd be the part is that like, it actually is my favorite thing to do every day. And that was, you know, at first it didn't start that way. It started as a discipline. Then I was praying, God, you know, turn this into a desire. And then now it's a delight. I delight to be with the Lord. It's my favorite thing I get to do every day. It starts my day. The moments that my that I don't get to like, say like you wake up late just because stuff happens, life, and it's going fast. And I don't get like that intentional time. Maybe if someone was in town or when you travel, that's really when I feel like it gets messed up the most is when you're traveling and you're trying to keep your rhythm and pace, but it's getting all thrown off. Mm-hmm that you feel off. You literally feel like, no, no, I need to retreat. I need to go away, Lord. Like, I'm, like I feel like my spirit, I didn't like, and I didn't take my daily bread in the way I needed to. Like I rushed you feel it too. You feel yeah. it too. It's like if you eat too fast, like, and you like are like choking and you kind of feel like, dang, I don't feel well, I, I, I ate too fast. That bread is something, it's funny that the words, sometimes we read past words in the Bible and we don't like understand the, like the depth of what it was saying. Is that like taking in your daily bread? Bread is something to be like taken in slowly. Like it's heavy. It's full of yeast. You need to drink water with it. You have to chew it. You have to make sure you don't put too much in your mouth. It's take. It's it's require. It requires pace and and time. So when the Bible says taking your daily bread and refers to the Word of God as our daily bread, then we need to take our time with it. It's not for me to like have a timer and twenty minutes are up. I'm done with you, Lord. I'm not like, a, it's not a to-do list thing. It's like a necessity. So mm-hmm. I'm going to wake up and do that thing. I have a set place in my house, just like I will like with my husband. Like we don't just roll over and say, oh yeah, you're here. We're intentional with how we love each other and date one another. I need to also have that same type of intentionality with the Lord. I'm going to get my stuff, have my book here, have my Bible here, have my worship or don't, Lord, I'm Holy Spirit, I'm going to just let you lead it. But I know I'm going to wake up and always come to this exact spot in my house. That when my brain signals that I'm going to that spot, it knows that I'm going into a, like a moment with God. I'm going into that moment. And of course, you have these moments all through the day, but it's where you put your first. And that's major. It is really major because you do feel off. And when you feel off, it's like what you said. Sometimes you're going so hard and that's in your own power. That's what that is. It's in your own power. You don't have to be that ambitious 
when you understand that God, everything he asks for you is going to be for you. You have to first though, keep your eye on the prize, which is him. Seek first the kingdom and yeah. everything else will be added unto you. And if I'm seeking him first and I'm giving him my attention and my intensity, he could give me an answer I've been looking for for literally all, all week or all month. And then he gives me one word, changes everything. That's happened to me so many times where I have an expectancy. I think I said it to you the other day. Oh, I was like, I don't know when you said, when are you going to um, do the, when is the challenge going to be? And I said, I don't know yet. The Lord just said April, but I'm expectant that he'll give it to me by the end of the day. If not by the end of the day, by the end of the week, I'm expectant. So what happens when you're expectant, you're looking for it. Like you're looking for God and, and anything and God will speak through anything. So I'm looking at, I'm looking for it, but I'm also seeking you for it. And uh, yeah, he gave me the date. So now I'm like, yay. Okay, Lord. Let's go. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. No, that's the important part about faith. Like we think that faith is just like believing that something going to happen. But like God had like shed some light on me, I think it was yesterday that like faith is actually like believing that whatever the situation is, mm -hmm. it's going to work out in your favor. Like understanding that, yeah, you might make a wrong decision or you might go the wrong way, but that's because you had to do that. Right. Like, not saying that he going to make you sin, but it's some things that you will learn while you in and getting out of that sin that you would have never learned if you would have never took those steps. If you would have been moving in fear, I had to sit one day was like, well, what if you never took a risk? What if you would have got out of high school? You know, your mother couldn't afford to uh, pay for the rest of the tuition that didn't cover your scholarship. And you just stayed at home and you just did nothing. Where would you be? If you would have took none of the risks that you complained about, like, man, I wish I would have did this. I wish I want to do that. I wish I did that. What would have happened? You would have ended up probably nothing or dead or in jail because you would have been trying to take another risk. So it's like we got to understand that without faith, it's impossible to please. And that's the words say without faith, it's impossible to please. And we got to believe that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Diligently seeking him, meaning you understanding that you're going to fall, but you understand that he's going to pick you back up. And you right. got to allow him to give you the strength, because if you don't allow him to give you the strength, you're going to get yourself into a religious battle with yourself and think you Superman. You're going to be judging everybody else, trying to say, like, what you do and what they don't do. Why can't I get this God and they don't get this or just not understanding how God works and how he operates. And it's so crazy because you said something about the 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 bad things essentially we've gone through, like how God uses them. Like the word tells us that, that I think it's Romans 8, 23, that all good, that all God uses all things. He works all things together for those that are Pretty called beautiful. that he loves and are called according to his purpose. And like, no matter what I've been through, like no matter what I've done, he's used it to, for his good and for his glory. And he's advanced it, that it actually became like, the thing that has set my life into a different trajectory and ultimately, you know, so God is so faithful in how he takes it all. That's what's up. So how did you get to this way of thinking? Like what's your testimony? Like how, how did you become the Jasmine you are today? Ooh, that's a very long question. It's a very deep question, but I will say, I was just really fortunate that just no matter what, like my parents were divorced 
And my mom, being raised in the house with her, my mom praised God about everything. Like, she would pray about everything. Like, I mean, literally everything. We were driving in the parking lot and she needed a parking spot. God, you gonna open something up in the name of Jesus. And then people just start pulling out their spots. And I would be, then she would be like, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. That was God. And as a kid, I'd be like, mama, everything ain't God. Why is she turning everything back to God? And then you get, but it actually, you know, kids watch so much. I was like that in school. I would say things like that. And then it would be like, Jasmine, come on now. But then even more so, the things that happened to me in my life, I, I, really started to see God has always been there. So at eight years old, I was in a grease fire. I have third degree burns on the lower half of my body. Mm. Um, when I was 16, I was in an abusive relationship. I was abused, attacked and raped multiple times by this person. Whenever um, I was 16 at the same age, my dad, like a man who everyone like loves and was the life of the party and all of these things, you know, he had his demons as well and he had his low moments, but he became an addict. And when he became an addict, that just spiraled so much so fast. And in his addiction, thankfully God redeemed him, you know, but he's had a long line of mental health issues that have come along along that. And God's just been taking him out of that now, but there's been always like a thing, like a thing here. And then I got married. I met my husband at 18. I was in that mm. situation at 16, got out at 17, met my husband at 18. I met my husband and he was my boyfriend then, obviously. But when I met him, I was like, oh my gosh, I love him already. I'm obsessed. I secretly stalked him and had a crush on him on the internet already. So I was so excited when I met him like a fan, but whatever. And whenever I met him, I was so happy. Our relationship progresses and I am like, a mess mentally. Like I just have so many traumas from, you know, things dealing with my dad when I was younger. And then the abuse, the attacking, the rape, the rape, the raping over and over, like, and just the, the weight of that was so heavy. And at 13, I took the vow true love weights. And I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to marry, wait till I'm married. And that person took that from me. And then, I mean, my husband, and you know we get married at 23 he we proposed at 22 we get married at 23 and i just have these mental limitations i cannot overcome and 2018 was when i was 23 that was really like the year i was like i can't keep living this life like i did I, as a kid i really did have a sensitivity to the holy spirit i would like go in my closet at like six i remember like journaling god i love you so much please forgive the devil, please like give him one more chance. And then it's like, you forgive everyone. Why can't you just forgive him? And then I would like talk to him and different things, but I was really tormented a lot. As much as I had a joyous childhood and all this joy, I was tormented with feeling like I didn't belong because so many things were happening to me back to back to back that it seemed like I'm not supposed to be here. Like, you know, things with my dad, things he had said to me that made me feel very like unwanted and things he's apologized for, but those are things that land and they stick with a kid, you know? And then there's a separated home. I'm the youngest of three. So it's like, okay, I'm the reason why all these bad things have happened. And then now I go in and I'm burned now. And that is an inconvenience to, to him. But then my mom is single mom and she's doing all these things for us. And like, I just seem like I'm just a horrible, like inconvenience to everyone's life. How about I just don't be here? 
So I really struggled with always feeling like I was an inconvenience or I didn't belong or I shouldn't be in a space. And God was always, always there. I remember even when the guy before my husband, when he pulled the knife out on me and he had it to my stomach and I was terrified. I like couldn't breathe. I was so scared. I remember this thing my mom would always say was whenever you don't know what to do, just pray. And I just started praying out loud. And I mean, that thing we're talking about demons. I remember his eyes being bloodshot red and like immediately going away. And that night I remember like, Jasmine, this will kill you. He will kill you. You need to get out of this. Like this is just bad all around. And then after that it was done. But then when I met my husband, you think like, oh my gosh, I'm healed now. Everything's good. But the Lord had me going to such new levels of healing. And that was painful to really kind of confront some things in myself mentally that I had thought for so long were healthy or that were normal, but they weren't normal. And my husband's operating on a completely different like pl place mentally. And I'm just like not there. I was like, okay, God, either I'm going to have what I've always desired or I'm going to literally have like this, this theme of divorce will be constant in my family's lives. And I just like, I'm making the choice that I need to essentially like save my marriage, save myself mentally. Like I need to get into the place with you where I'm all in. And then I was professionally dancing as well. And God, I was in LA dancing professionally and God radically, literally like, and I'm in, in the Uber, he gives me a prophetic vision. And he's like, yeah, this is your gift, not your calling. Mm -hmm. And that it was like a stage, it was black, like a dance, almost like I was about to perform, but I wasn't performing. I was just watching as an audience member, but standing there. And there was one side of the stage where the spotlight opens up and the ladder is going higher, but it falls. And then it gets a little bit higher than that. And then it falls again. And then the lights black out. And then you have another uh, part of the stage where the lights are there and the ladder keeps going up, 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 and it doesn't fall. And it just goes where I can't even see it anymore. And I asked God what it means. And he says, if you choose your path, everything on the outside will look like it's going to the next level, but it, everything you've ever wanted will fall apart. But if you choose my path, I'll take you to new heights, new levels you could have never imagined, but you have to trust me. And I was like, okay, God, well, what does that look like? And what are you asking of me? He said, give up dance. Trust me that that was your gifting, but it's not your calling. And because of my past, it was like, okay, well, this is my calling. I was burned. They, they said they may have to amputate my foot. I, now I had to learn how to walk again. I'm doing these things. I'm dancing. This was my calling. I have given my life to this thing. And he's like, exactly. You've given your life to this thing. And you haven't given it to me. And so I know it was nothing but the Lord in obedience because I don't know why I was so radically obedient, but I literally like went to the apartment I was staying at with my cousin in LA and I told, called my mom the next day and told her that I would no longer be a professional dancer and that I was gonna trust God. And she was like, but this has always been your dream. And I said, I know. And I was a degree away from being Beyonce's backup dancer. And I was like, Lord, this is what I, this is, this, are you sure Lord that wasn't me last night? I wasn't dreaming. He's like, no, that's you. That, 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 was, that was definitely, I was talking to you. That was me, that was me. And I just, I gave it up. So after that, I just started serving and just trusting God with the small, just essentially felt like I lost everything about myself. I was a new wife. I have a new name. We're in a new city, a new state. We know no one here. 
And my mom, like, she's gone. You know, she's been so much of my source. And now I'm this new wife in this new area. I don't even know who I am. I'm done with teaching. I was Teach for America. I'm no longer an educator. And that was for a season. But now what does my life look like? I was a professional dancer all this time. What do I do? And God was just really faithful. And my husband said something to me when I was, like, really at that low place. He said, babe, you know... I know you think you're only good at one thing, but you have this gift to just talk to people and change their lives. You have this gift to really like speak to people's heart. That's not the only thing you're good at is dance. Like your mouth, you speak very well. You get into people's hearts. Like don't forget about that gift. And I was like, hmm, I don't you know. I guess he's kind of right. And then, you know, I started really leaning into that, but trusting God at every level. I was like, Lord, I was then, you know, like I said, the extremes, but it was necessary. I was like, God, I don't need to be, I will, I will serve here. No one needs to see me. I'll be in the back scrubbing. I'll be here 13 hours. God, if it doesn't hurt, it's not you. And my best friend was like, you have a martyr spirit. You need to calm down. Like God, not trying to break your spine, girl. Like it's okay to be happy. And I honestly am so thankful because from 2018 until now, all of that, the fasting, the get being off of social media for a year, coming back and like just trusting God with the small, small things and navigating this new season. So many people like people I grew up with are like, why are you not dancing no more? Why are you not this? And it's crazy because now I get to give them a response. And the response is like, they see now the success. So it's like, wow, like that was really God. But like, I knew then it was God for sure, because that wasn't anything I would have ever wanted to do. And I'm just thankful that with that obedience, he, I remember there were moments when I would be in Oakland and I'd be in our apartment and I would just go to the closet. Like if I was just feeling low, my husband, he would say, babe, and he would just point to the closet and I would be like, grab, I would grab a blanket and a pillow and like a little candle and I would go in there and just cry and pray and worship. And I would get lost in those moments. And I remember saying these things to God multiple times. Nobody will ever see this. Nobody will ever know these moments. Like they'll see what they see on the outside and they'll see like the success and they'll see like the, the whatever it is. But they won't ever know that like the the ground and the framework was done here. Like these moments, the pruning, the cutting, the being like confronting the dark parts of yourself that you don't even know are there, but Jesus does know. I'm so thankful that that posture was built in me then that I know where to go when I'm low, right? When I'm like having a moment, I'm not just like, I used to just call someone ah, like my my sister, my brother, my mom, my husband, calling these people. And that's great to have people around you. God wants us in community, but he was not my first response. And now he is. And I know that it's crazy because now it was like, okay, I trust you with that. Let me increase your territory a little bit more. I trust you with this. Let me increase your territory a little bit more. And it's crazy the spaces and the people he's put me attached to that I'm like, wow. Like, I'm just really blown away. I really... I can't take no credit for it. I can't take any credit for the fact that God is just very faithful and he already knew all these things. And he showed me these things in visions multiple times and continues to show me them that when I get in these spaces, I'm not actually like, like groveling, you know, to people like, thank you. I just am so thankful to be here. I am thankful to be here. And I understand that like this could have been given to anyone else, but I'm also 
not shocked because God prepared my heart and my mindset for this beforehand. Then when I get into this room, I am taking what's mine. Mm -hmm. I'm taking everything that the enemy stole in this space and get he's God's giving it to his daughter to expand it because he knows that he can trust me. And I pray that I continue to keep that posture of God, I'm a steward what you give me at any level with a level of excellence and speak with authority, but also humility and love that people when they encounter me, they're drawn in by something they see outwardly, but then internally I get to speak to the heart. Like I pray that that is the posture I keep for the rest of my life here on earth. Uh, humility is definitely important. Like humility is the, the key to the next level because he's not going to give elevation to his separation. And yeah. in order to really hound in on that separation, you got to stop thinking about yourself. Mm -hmm. People think of humility as like all oh, humiliation, like something happened to you. No, humility is understanding that you are not important. You are just a piece of the puzzle. You're not the puzzle. And when we get into that season, some people shy away from that, that season of solitude because it don't feel good at all. I feel like almost everybody betrayed you. It feel like there's no getting out of this because you're trying to think of it with your natural mind. He said, without faith, it's impossible to please him. You leaning on your own understanding. He said, trust in the Lord all your heart, lean on to your own understanding, all your ways acknowledge him. And he will direct your path. That's what you did. You you was like, all right, I might can sing for me. I mean, I might can dance for Beyonce, but what if that what what would that come with? And then you like, nah, I, I'd rather go with God. And if sometimes we just go with God, we will avoid a lot of the pitfalls that happen in our life. Yes. We won't go through these traumas that we that's our testimony. I mean, it was supposed to be your testimony because he knew you before you came out the womb. But if you was, a, that's the one thing he give us. He give us our will. That's the only thing he not gonna, he not gonna touch. He, he ain't gonna touch your will because he's gonna give you the power to make your decisions. Yeah, he gives this, us this free will. And isn't that so beautiful that when he gives us this like free will, he's not a forceful God. Mm -hmm. Like you, he gave me two options. He said, you can choose your path which to everyone else will look successful. And to me at that time, what everybody thought about me meant everything. So I could have been like, well, you know, everybody will still see I'm successful. I don't care. Actually at 23, you would have been that girl on the block. You would have Listen, been I'm hot girl. I'm city girl. <laughs> Let me out here. Like I would have been happy, but he was like, but everything you want at your core will not prosper. But if you choose my path and I could have made the decision and I've been faced with that multiple times of it could be your way or it could be mine. Just recently, I could have launched in March and been, well, God, but I already done told some people and I don't want to look foolish and I'd rather not. But I understand that like it's bigger than me and it's way mm -hmm. more than me and that I have to do it his way. And the moment that you don't do it his way, always ask this child like you are like dang I, I knew god you you was telling me to do it the other way because now look at me look at me looking like boo boo the fool now i look foolish i don't want that i'll be looking crazy <laughs> that's what happened to saw ever saw he told him he said kill everything he come back with with the girls the the cattle Listen. He talking about something. yeah I, I was making sacrifices nah you was trying to be like yeah, yeah i conquered the malachi i feel like that's what he really was doing i feel like because at that time the malachi was the biggest biggest thing going and he yeah. wanted to come back with something 
Like, yeah, I'm sore. Like, I came back with something. Like, you feel what I'm saying? I come back with this. Yeah, I got girls for y'all. I got cattle for y'all. I got everything y'all need. Uh, Samuel, like, God said, and you weren't even supposed to fight yet. What, <laughs> how did you start fighting without me being here? Oh, I, I offered up the sacrifice for you because you was taking too long. Listen, and it makes, you know what I love is like, the Bible be funny. The Bible be very funny. You read it right. You like, hold on now, God. Uh, wait, what? What'd you say right there? That was kind of wild. You saying that, Jesus. That was a little crazy. But okay, I, I feel it. Whenever David was going to fight, he had everything he needed because God prepared him beforehand. Like, you know, mm -hmm. and when it was time to, you know, knock down Goliath, um, who was the one? What's his name? Was it Saul? No. Was it Saul? His... The yeah, Saul was, yeah, Saul was the king. Yeah, so Saul was like, um, here, you can have my stuff. And he started giving him like, take this armor, take that, take that. And David put it on and was like, no, <laughs> that's not what I'm used to. I already know how to do this. <laughs> but they didn't know that he had already been prepared for that thing. And he was the least likely thing. I say this all the time. I'm the least likely person to be in my career. The least likely person one nonprofit space is like already a very small space, you know, like it's like a very underutilized lucrative space for many people, but people just don't like go to it because of the preconceived notions around it. But it's just even the fact like I went to school for I was a dance major. I was a professional dancer. I became Teach for America. I saw a lot of success in myself as a in the classroom as a teacher. Like I was least likely to win those awards, but God was like, but you will because I already prepared you with learning how to do these things beforehand. Thinking on your toes, that's something you learn as an artist, like performing. Like, I need to be able to make quick decisions. I need to be able to like do something. If someone's about to fall or I'm about to fall, like I need to be able to, when I go to speak in front of people, you have to like present your ideas to a room of people and they have to buy in in order to like maybe fund your um performance or your show or something you have to be persuasive and you have to prove to them that like this thing can go to the next level you're missing an opportunity god prepared me so many times and the classroom multiplied on that that when i've gone into spaces and they're like if you just you i'm not talking about not listening to wise counsel like god puts people in places mm -hmm. that are supposed to be there to help you but i'm saying stuff like Okay, like God wants to, okay, I think of a pastor like Pastor Mike Todd. He is the most unlikely pastor to me because like, one, his story, but how he acts, like he's so cool with the times and this and dressing like that, but God's like, I want you, I don't want you being like the your predecessor. I want you to be who you, who I called you to be. So for me, I'm naturally a very bubbly person. I get a very, I'm excitable person. I am very expressive. I'm goofy. So I never thought that I could prosper in business because of my personality. So for a while, I was like, okay, well, I just need to be very this and that and dress like this and talk like this. Listen, I'm gonna show up. I'm gonna show up with my nose ring and my baby hair swooped. My hair might be in a high ponytail. It may be red, it may be blonde. My nails gonna be done. Whatever it is, I'm gonna show up like the way that I'm going to show up. I may even show up with a grill in my mouth. Who knows? You, I don't know. I have it in the closet. I'm going to show up and be my full self so you understand who you're getting because this is who I am. God has done so much with me like being myself authentically that the parts externally, if that deters you from what internally he's done in my heart so it can transform you as well, then I don't need to be around you.
if that's something that's going to deter you away. So I'm thankful that I understanding that principle of I don't need to have what you have that work like put on you. Like I've already been prepared for this beforehand. Does that make sense? Like how it no, was with David. No. No, definitely. And it even make more sense to me why you started the heal. What, what your uh, foundation is called the heal. Heal it's yourself. Heal yourself. So you start heal yourself. Now you able to, you can, you can talk to those, those different type of young ladies that are going through some of the same things you are going yeah, through. Yeah, we you look like them. I look like them. And that's exactly what I tell my clients, which is why I say, because your nonprofit will always be an extension of you, you'll never birth something. That's what makes a, a nonprofit so unique. What um, you do in the marketplace as a for-profit, you don't always create things off of what you desire deeply in your heart. Sometimes you just let the market tell you what it needs and you just go and do it. A nonprofit, you do that, you see a need in a community but the thing is, the community is a community you're connected to, something you were exposed to, you experienced, and now you're empowered by it. So you want to provide healing and hope to that community. That mm. community's need now is you are there to provide solutions. So because you are so connected to it, you need to understand like the depths of how far that goes. When the Lord put heal yourself on my heart, he said, I want you to service girls. I will never forget. I was like, I was asking God everything. Lord, what words should I put here? What's the mission here? Exposing power here. Three E cycle. I was thinking of all these things. And he, I said, God, what age do you want me to service? He said, girls 16 through 18. And I thought, that's a little too specific, Lord. Why? And for a long time, I was like trying to do it, like making my own. No, 13 through 18, because it makes it more, you know, I can reach more people, God. No, maybe 16 through 25. I started thinking of all these things. And God has shown me different programs for different ages. But he said, I want you to start with 16 through 18. And I said, I just asked him one day, God, why 16 through 18? That's so random. And he said, and he just reminded me of where I was at 16. I was abused, attacked, and raped. 17, I got out. I was very confused. I was very like getting my power back. I was finally, I was working. I was in school. But then I met my husband. And then I was like, wow. Like I didn't even know that the things that I was exposed to, I actually now have become like him. And I'm not trying to be him in this relationship. I want to be like well. And what it would look like to have had mentorship, you know, outside of, you know, your family loves you. My mom was such a huge part of helping me talk through a lot of things. But therapy wasn't something we were talking about then. And mentorship and navigating and understanding that you're a leader and there's a God-given purpose put inside of you. That is like become more popular now. I've seen mainstream. But for girls of color, teenage girls of color, like that's not something I was hearing then. I was just hearing like God loves you. Woo-yee. But like, I didn't believe that I had a seed in me to be multiplied into the world. Like, what could I do? Like, I'm just a dancer. Like, that's what I felt then. I'm just this because of what other people have labeled me as. And I am that community. I like am the best person to speak to that community because I've been in it. And I understand what it feels like to feel like you're overlooked or that you're overlooking your own self, you know, and you exempt yourself from a lot of things. So that's what I tell my clients, which will now be like students, is that you need to be prepared for how deep your story goes and know it, like know it and be confident enough to present it. Like even to the point, seriously, the way that you, when you get to new seasons and levels in your life, God increases your perspective as he increases your territory. 
And as he increases your territory in a new space, your perspective starts to change. So there requires a new level of healing because now you see with different eyes as well. And I see that where I was at 16, oh my gosh, I've, I've come light years. I don't even like the personality, the joy bubbly, that girl was there. But just like the, the boundaries and the confidence and the authority, I did not have that. Like my people then would definitely have said I did, but like I was, I was faking it till I made it, child. So I think though now I just joined jujitsu. I do jujitsu. And yeah, don't play with me because I'll stay bop you in it. No. <laughs> but I'm learning jujitsu and it's crazy that the woman that introduced me to it, she has a very similar story like me. And I said at this year as a wife, I'm really thriving like mentally, those mental limitations. If any woman who's been attacked, abused, raped, and if you've been one of those, but if you've been all three, you understand how deep fear of men runs to you and how deep your fear of saying no is and like really setting boundaries because there really hadn't ever been any. And jujitsu teaches you like those things like mentally and, and in your body and how to deescalate. But if I need to escalate, I can. And I just have gotten my power back and the new level and the territory God's taking me as an entrepreneur, as a wife, as a daughter, as a friend, I need to learn that kind of level of authority. And it's crazy how I wouldn't have been able to handle that six months ago, like being in jujitsu, confronting those things of when I was younger. Some of those scenarios they put you in, you physically have been in before. So it's like triggering, but I've done the work, like the work in the faith. I say Jesus in therapy. I go, I'm in therapy, like, listen, Tiffany, hold on now. I was feeling, but I didn't spiral, but I was about to. And then after we have a conversation, I go and I consult the Lord about it. God, like, reveal these things to me, but also give me an opportunity and a window of opportunity to tackle these things the way that you say. And he continues to do that. And I just know that the more that my territory increases, my perspective begins to look at healing at a different level each time in a new way and presents it in a new way. So I'm really thankful for that. Oh, that's dope. That's dope. Because like you bringing a whole new perspective to the table now. You just said, what did you say? You said something before you escalate. What'd you say? Oh, wait, but oh, because oh, when you, with jujitsu, you do as much to deescalate, but if you need escalate. to escalate the situation, you know how. Hey. That's a bar. That's a bar. Because now you able to like come like you able to come through with a whole new perspective with this thing. You coming from a whole new side of things. Like you said jujitsu, you coming from like you ain't you're not from the streets, but you coming from an abusive situation. You but listen, hold on now. I ain't from the streets, but I now listen. I I know the streets though. <laughs> like oh, yeah, I mean you from Dallas. You know, like when you grow up like in you from Dallas. I'm from Dallas. I was raised on Skillman and Idalia, and we like move like. And if you know, then Skillman and Idalia wasn't nothing to play with then. And then my mom just moved us when I was seven to Garland, and when we moved to Garland, I was burned at eight, and we moved. And then I was serviced in like a hospital. It was the best burn unit, but the hospital was like we for folks who didn't have insurance. So I was always around like colorful people. <laughs> And then you go to the country in Tennessee and Alabama, you always around and then your family, like literally my mom's side, Orange, Texas, like very country is, is all the same. It all comes together. So 
I absolutely have people. It's funny. People are always shocked because I, the way that I present myself, my mom was raised in San Francisco. So there, there is a level of presentation or the way that I talk that I would always call it an Oreo in middle school. I was called an Oreo, but my dad was raised in Alabama. So if I need to switch up on you, I know how, like, and I need to, but I'm so thankful that as I'm learning jujitsu, it's like, I'm not the, I'm not popping off on you. I'm just going to, I'm going to do mind things with you now. And then if I need to take it there, See, because I didn't even know, I, you would think like jujitsu was just like straight, like, you feel me, get down to it, just like how the movies go, but oh. you're telling me a whole different thing. No, a, a big part of it is like, um, like mentality and like po posture and how you're saying things. So mm. a lot of it is creating boundaries. And the whole objective with jujitsu is not to get to that point. Like the movies when they're all like, like, it's like. That's not jujitsu. Jujitsu is like, how can I de-escalate this? And I want to be very clear that I'm de-escalating it. Mm. But I'm also being very clear with my body. Like you, you're doing things, you're keeping your hands always towards your chest. And you're keeping your hands towards your chest and you're de-escalating. So if someone comes up on me, hey, I don't like it when you walk up on me like that. <laughs> Do we understand? Like, let's be clear. And they say yes, but they keep coming up on me. I may need to push you, but I'm keeping my hands here. <laughs> But just, just know if I need to go to the other side. Go hey, hey. <laughs> on you. I, I can't. So I'm learning all those tools and tactics. And I know and the crazy thing is, it's giving, it's like literally my first session, I felt like gave me the power back that I didn't have when I was 16, that it healed that girl in that moment. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of internal healing, mental, you know, CBT, the cognitive behavioral therapy and not having negative thought patterns. But that part of my body not being mine, God just used that moment, the jujitsu classes. I'm like, oh, listen, I feel so, I feel bad ASS because whenever mm -hmm. people, if they want to, I'm like, you don't even know that I could, oh, don't even try me. How long have you been doing it? Uh, I'm talking a big game. I've been doing it for a week. <laughs> Listen, I'm doing and I'm and I'm I'm locked in now. I'm locked. They got me for the rest of the year. They got me for the rest of the year. And my husband, he's going to be tagging in and he'll be like my um training partner, too. Oh, that's dope. Like y'all going to be don't practice. Don't, well, y'all ain't going to practice on each other, but, <laughs> but we'll, be able to, we'll be able to like practice scenarios on each other. So he was telling me the other day, he was like, uh, show me, show me some of the things. I said, I can't because I don't want to hurt you. And, and, <laughs> and he was like, <laughs> I said, they say before you leave, they were like, I know you guys are excited and you learned a lot today and you're going to want to practice on people. Do not practice on them. You will hurt them. So I said, babe, you just need to come to the gym with me. And um, when the classes are over right now, it's just for women. Like this, the se the sessions I'm doing are just for women in those. But it's co-ed. The gym is co-ed. So I said, once I'm done with my sessions, you come in and we can practice there. But they say don't do it because you're gonna hurt people. So I'm I'm a little too confident. See, that's why, listen, that's why I need to be there because I'd be ready to go escalate. And they teaching me how to let's let's take it to here. And if we need to go, we need that's what we keeping it. 
No, that's dope. That's a, I ain't never even heard of a healing process like that because I know I looked at your uh, nonprofit and looked at the different services and stuff you had. And one thing that y'all highlight is the healing room. Mm -hmm. But what is the healing room? So the healing room was something that started whenever the pandemic. We started in 2019. Our pilot program for Heal Yourself was in 2019 in partnership with uh, the Boys and Girls Club in San Francisco and finish line there. But then the pandemic happened so fast. It was like, okay, now we can't do our services, but it was not an option to stop. Like still women needed hope. So we couldn't just stay focused on 16 through 18. And the bigger vision has always been to touch young women and young and older women. So the healing room opened up as a space, as a worship experience. But if you look at it was really attacking the idea that people have around worship is just like music and raising your hands. But worship is a posture you lead in everywhere. So mm -hmm. this doing this podcast is a form of worship, how we're glorifying God, like worship is how you glorify God in anything that you do. So we were using that space as a, to create a safe space for women all over to literally encounter God. So if it was through discussions about pornography, having the traditional, you know, music in the worship space, dance parties, um, panels, like whatever it was, we, for seven months, we were able to reach over 400 women. Mm. And we were able to give two women three months of therapy for completely free. And that changed so many women's lives with just like that process and going through and being gifted something as essential, especially in the thick of the pandemic, like that was essential. And like, as we, we were initially started in San Francisco and then my husband and I, when we moved back to Dallas, like now the nonprofit is here, but as we've been shifting and we go back to the original vision of servicing these 16 and 18 girls, it's really amazing to see that all the elements of the healing room are still a part of it. We have a signature curriculum. We have a big graduation with the girls. We service these young women you know, of color, these teenage girls, and we develop them as leaders through their character and mentorship. And as we're doing that, we do it in like a 13 week cohort. So you know, heal, your, heal yourself is spelled H-E-E-L, like walking. And then the slogan is make each step purposeful. And then the mentorship group is called Soul Sisters, S-O-L-E. So they are linked with one another to walk in purpose with each other at a valley or a peak. You're there. And it's founded on the scripture, Isaiah 30, 21, whether you turn to the right or to the left, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. And that our, even our logo, it like looks like a maze, but it also looks like a cross that whether you turn anywhere, as long as you keep your eyes on Jesus, you'll know exactly where to go. And we that's embedded in the curriculum and the leadership curriculum is that within these 13 weeks, the first seven weeks, it's guided discussions where these girls are talking through like how to be a servant leader, but believing that for themselves. And there's activities that follow those seven weeks. But then after those seven weeks are done in the sit down soul sisters group, they then go out into the field of the like world and get to be actual servant leaders with neighboring nonprofits for six more weeks. And because you don't just learn by hearing, you learn by doing. So we're teaching them that by hearing, but now they have to go and do the thing they just learned. And upon completion of the 13 weeks, they have this big graduation. And there, that is when it'll be, they get the workforce stipends, they get the college scholarships, they get a fresh new pair of shoes, and they, you know, they get internship opportunities. And it's really cool because they're invested, you know, they're invested at that point. So we're excited to be launching that here in Dallas. And we have partnerships that have been really 
really generous with us as well. Oh, y'all giving them the kicks and everything. Listen, they getting shoes, they getting money, they just getting it all, which is honestly, when God called me to start Heal Yourself, like this goes back to the obedient thing, I was still professionally dancing. So originally Heal Yourself was dance classes to empower women how to be sexy, dance in their heels, and at the end of the class, I was gonna share the gospel. Confusion at its finest. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, y'all sexy. And also, Jesus loves you. I know we was just dancing about busting it open, but y'all, Jesus loves you. Like, what? Girl, go to bed. You confused. So the Lord was like, um, and the thing is, it was successful, but the Lord's like, I'm not in that. I didn't say, you didn't trust me with the next steps. And I was like, God, what is supposed to, what is yourself supposed to be? He said, a nonprofit. I had no idea what a nonprofit was. I literally was like, what is a nonprofit? I went on Google, what is a nonprofit? And whenever I was on it, God actually started to show me I had been in a nonprofit space since I graduated. I was always in nonprofits from the school I worked at, from being with Teach for America, transitioning into being a director. Like I was in a nonprofit. I just didn't realize all the programs and partnerships and residencies and things I was doing in these nonprofits. I didn't know that's what it was actually I didn't know that's what they were called. I don't know why. No one just framed it as a nonprofit then. So, at least in the spaces I was in. So when God told me to do it, I was doing it in obedience and for, he started to bring the right people and then it started in 2019 and that pilot program, the 2020 came, the 2021, I was able to do my own thing. But how faithful God has been that in 2021, he told me, 2018, he actually told me I would be a coach. I just didn't know what that meant. And I was just writing it down. Fast forward, he was like business and purpose coach. I'm like, okay. But I don't, I don't say that I'm a business and purpose coach. But it's like what I was saying to you on the phone before. Jesus always gave the people around what they wanted. And then he gave them what he knew they needed. People mm -hmm. come to me, I know they want a nonprofit. And I know they want the essential tools and strategy to do that. So I give them what they want. But in the process of being with me, I'm giving you what I know you need, which is you need to know you have purpose in you. And how do, how are you going to multiply that way beyond this too? So that's how I'm equipping them. And it's been really cool because that was the thing I didn't even know God would use as an engine to build wealth and to build hope and purpose in my life. So when he told me about being a business and purpose coach, I didn't had no idea it would be packaged up where I would still be doing things in the nonprofit space. And that was a space people were like, people aren't gonna pay that and da, 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 you know, and God's been very faithful and like, no, they will. You know, they actually will pay it because it's something close to them. What I said before, when this thing's so personal to you, you're going to want to bring healing and hope and resources and information to a community that you were once in, that you are still like a part of because you know what it felt like when you didn't have it. You're like, I never want someone to feel that way again you are a part of changing the world, people easily will be like, I don't have to convince anything. Like you, this is your story. You own your story. You want to bring hope and healing. There's a solution. Start a nonprofit. Like, okay, let's do it. Like, it's not as hard as you think it is. And when I lay out, it's not that hard. It's like, oh, wow, I can really change the world. One of my clients said I helped him fulfill one of his life's mission. Mm. That, that's a part of his life's mission. Someone else... I've had my clients cry in sessions that like, because it's that deep, it's that personal. And if you're not just doing it for the purposes of tax write-offs, of course you have these amazing perks that come with a nonprofit, but like 
at your core, you're literally changing people's lives. The trajectory of their life will always be changed because of the information and the hope that you just provided for them. And that's, I mean, I can't even believe that I get to do this all the time. It's really amazing. That's live. Because a lot of people don't even know that like some of your favorite companies is nonprofits. I say that all the time. I'm like, you know, the NFL is a nonprofit. You know that um, the PGA Tour, the golf, Ikea is a nonprofit. Ted Talks. Ikea. Ikea is a nonprofit. Ted Talks are a nonprofit. I mean, the list literally goes on and on. I sometimes just go on randomly, random companies and I'm like, let me just see if that's a nonprofit. That's a nonprofit. Wow. And when you think of it, even like still like, okay, like say, say that the, the heartstrings don't tug you because you don't care really about advancing the world and bringing hope. Say it's just you tax write-offs. Why do you think every wealthy person has a nonprofit? Every wealthy person has a nonprofit. That should tell you something. It's the most underutilized tool to also protect your assets. Like, if a business is to build an asset, then a nonprofit is also to protect it. But here's the thing. You don't just want to also just give all this money away at the end of the year just to Uncle Sam, a way to position yourself where you're giving it to an engine that is going to still be helpful to a community you care about, but you don't technically want to be the chief executive and all that. you just like, here's my idea. Whoever I hire somebody, y'all do it. You're still putting money to a community you care about, and now you don't have to owe all that money at the end of the year to the government. You put it into um, tax write-offs, like it's tax exempt. So now you get to write that off in your taxes that you gave to your nonprofit, your foundation. So I'm like, uh, why are more people don't have nonprofit? I don't know. So how do you help these individuals as you coach? What's their first step? Like, how do they get into this? Like, what if I just came in? I say I want to start a nonprofit, but I never did this before. Okay, so if someone comes to me, I'll just say it in the when when I was doing one on one coaching, I'm phasing out of that, as you know, and I'm going to be doing group coaching. But if someone wanted to work and start a nonprofit with me, they would obviously, you know, get on the call. I would, they would talk them through, hear all the stuff, and then I would tell them what it would look like. So we go through eight weeks together, and with the upon uh, completion of these eight weeks, you'll have a nonprofit. Week one. We are, well, I give them a bonus week too. Like I give them a bonus week before week one. We The bonus week is like a make it plain session. And that's when we write it down and make it plain. Like what is this vision that you have and you need to see it on paper? Because you really want to highlight the fire that's in you then because with anything you start, business, for-profit, non-profit, whatever, you want to really maximize when the fire is burning heavy and you want to write down the vision. You want to remember the things that you were hoping for and believing for when you haven't been like jaded yet or you've been told no yet. You want to like really maximize on that. So I take them through a you, a who, a what, and a why that I created. And we do that for an hour and they're all pumped. Woo, I'm going to change the world. What? And then week one, I tackle mindset. And I really lean into the mindset necessary to be a nonprofit leader, that there is a necessary mindset that you need to know there's a shift. You are not a savior. You are a servant leader and posture yourself as such. So I lean them into that and like what it would look like, because mindset always has to be tackled first. Week two, we go into organizing the organization. Like, what does it look like to organize this organization? from your corporate binder, from your niche, your mission, your avatar, like get, developing your triple threat statement. When you go into rooms, that authority that you own it, that's what we do. Week three is like the big Bs. We lean into your brand DNA, your board recruitment, and your bylaws. 
And like with my students, I mean, my students, I'd be equipping them. I'd be giving them shared everything, shared bylaws, shared AOI, shared filing steps. Like you have it all. It's fine. I want you to be prepared and equipped. I give them shared expenses, trackers, all that. And so week three is we really lean into you finding the right people to make this thing go to the next level. You're bored. You like understanding your brand DNA all together. And the brand DNA goes so in depth that it's like making sure you're prepared. Like how I was talking about it with Heal Yourself, there was so much intentionality from the color chosen. Why is it purple? I understand that that age, you often feel defeated because everyone's asking you, what's your next steps in life? You're like, I don't know. I don't even know I'm wearing a prom. I'm in this bad relationship. I ain't got no friends. I ain't got no money. You don't know. But I want them to know that they are called to be royalty. So purple is an intentional color of royalty. And it's my favorite color because I'm a queen. And whenever the, the logo, the slogan, the scripture, like there's so much intentionality, that's all been a part of our brand and how we move and structure things. So week four, that is their programs and projections week. So that is whenever we start to lay out their SPO, I call a signature program opportunity. And then like projecting, like what does it look like in this next 12 months and a year for your program to really operate? And then week five, we lean into like partnerships, or week five is actually when they lead like a champ. I teach them how to really own their board meetings, that how do you really step into these board meetings and own it um, from your minutes to your agenda and like how do we document these things? Week six is partnerships week. And this is then when I'm on the phone, I tell them, you notice I've said nothing about filing yet. You notice I've said nothing about the application because you'll realize that's the easiest part. It's just a piece of paper that just says to like, on this level, okay, we're now 501c3 tax exempt, but you need to know these things before you just start going around talking about you have a nonprofit. You don't even know what you're saying. You don't even know what you're doing. You literally don't know what you're doing. So then week six, that's when we tackle partnerships, scouting intentional partners and what it looks like when you go into rooms and you present your triple threat and you lead with a story framework that I created for them and you understand how to really lay out your blueprint that you get the perfect partners from jump because you lead with that much authority when you're, when you're scouting partners. Week seven is when they file and then week eight is when I send them on a year one roundup of the things necessary that they need to track for their entire year, their impact reports, courting donors, scouting volunteers, tracking things all through the year, but also being prepared for what it looks like mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as they take this thing and it becomes like its own legs and it begins to run on its own, that they're prepared for the next steps. And then at the end of that, I always tell them, I give you these for-profit strategies with nonprofit impact and let's go, let's do it. Let's change the world together. For profit strategies with a nonprofit impact. Hey, she about to help y'all raise a million dollars. I, I need to start a nonprofit. <laughs> she got it going over there. She about to get y'all the bylaws. Hey, the people don't even understand this whole process and situation. The board to set up, the board is the most important part, in my opinion. It is. If you don't got those proper people set around, like what do you say, without a vision, the people perish. Yeah. My board has been so essential that, like I said, I'm naturally very ambitious. So I'll come, you know, just even recently, we're on track right now to get um, some grants, like bigger like grants. We like have been able to partner, have really great partnerships, but grants hasn't been our focus because we're still a startup. Like, and I think that's important to remember is that a nonprofit impact is not gonna scale the way a for-profit does. I can literally implement things in a for-profit and see, literally six figures in one day. 
a nonprofit is going to look different because you're building relationships and that takes time. You're building relationships with communities that they have to first trust you to even come and to see that you're not gonna just leave after one bad day. They need to trust you and that takes time. So what happens is, okay, maybe, and here's the thing that I also really attack is that a, when you're talking about a for-profit stakeholders, they're like, I'm just trying to make sure that what I invested, I get that 10, 20 times back. A donor is going to look different because they're going to give money, not hoping that they get the money back. They're hoping that story is multiplied. So even if it's one story about a girl that because you created a mentorship program, she was going to run away from home, take her life, and she came to your group and it literally changed her life forever. And now she's gone to therapy for the first time. She's got a job and she's on the right track. Even if you did that one thing for one year, a donor is going to hear that about a girl named Jessica and say, I want that story to be multiplied. Here's a thousand dollars. It's intentionality and intensity and precision. And you have to like separate how you look at it. So when you're posturing yourself to do these things, you're not discouraged. Like I've been many times with, why don't we have six figures yet? Like, why don't we have six figures? With, like we should. And my board is like, Jasmine, like we're our impact has been major, but we're still small. And we also don't want to like stop what we've been doing. We don't want to stop it just to match a for-profit and be like, well, my for-profit's doing we should be at the same level. The impact is still the same. It has heavy impact, but it's measured differently. And I you have to understand that the currency in a nonprofit is weighed differently. Currency in a for-profit is weighed off of how fast the money's coming in and out, how fast, like what are the margins? How many, how big are my margins so I know that I'm getting a real profit here? And in a nonprofit, the currency is testimonials, stories, longevity, trust, like building that. As donors see that, they see, I can trust you with 10,000. I can trust you with six figures because I've already seen you do it 10 times. I've seen you do it 30 times. I've seen you do it for one year. And even if you don't have a number, how data is tracked, it's not quantitative always, it's qualitative many times. That you're getting so many stories that parents are saying, my daughter used to stay in her room all night and cut herself and now she comes and has dinner with us and like I've been able to go to work and not be crying in the bathroom. Thank you for your nonprofit. What? Someone's like, I wanna see that happen again. Here goes some more money, keep doing it, keep doing it. But you first have to understand the back stuff that no one's gonna trust you with stuff that you're just, they're not gonna give you money just because you have a great idea. You need to still operate with excellence. And for-profits have that mastered because they have to, because of margins, because they need the money to keep coming in and it's easy math and easy ABC, but we also have to do the same with a, a nonprofit. It just, the impact looks different. That's dope. And what they say, they say, uh, impact over, some people, they say, they say impact over profit. I think that's what mm -hmm. they say when they come to non, because I'm not, I'm not well versed in the nonprofit sector, but they say impact over profit, meaning that we care about what happens, what the action happens over how much money we make. And that's going to change lives. And eventually it's going is essentially it's going to change souls. And if it changes souls, that's what we're here for. We soul winners. We win souls as well. Exactly. And the thing is, I don't naturally bring money. Like if you're really having real impact and you're tracking it and you understand, like you have um, data points of, okay, this thing has happened one time. Let's see, make sure that we have at least 10%. You have 
intake surveys and outtake surveys, and you can actually track these things that when you present it to get grants, it doesn't matter if it was done three times, 500 times, and you say it was done three times in 12 months, and you project that because we did it three times, I know if we if we had more resources, we could do this 16 times. That's all we need. And I know because I track this blank, blank, blank. If you don't know that how to do that beforehand, you just keep saying, I have all this. I've been doing this for 10 years. Okay, how many people have you serviced? I don't know. It's been a lot, though. That, okay, goodbye. You got to know your numbers. Listen, you don't know, you don't even know what you did. So, hey, yeah. So, you basically teaching them the first week, you teaching them how to do all of this that you're saying, the most important things. You teaching them how to do this first week. What do you mean? The first week, the initial week, the, the bonus week. Oh, that first week, that first week is fleshing it out because I want to hear heart. The you were attacking like you, like, why does this matter to you so much? You need to really know the why, because when you hear no, when you hear, um, we're not going to give it to you. We're not going to partner because that happens in anything. Mm -hmm. You need to know the why that it runs so deep that you're not going to be discouraged, you know? So when we attack the you, that's what we're doing. The who, who is this community to you? So what happens if you don't do this? What happens to this community? That you can now get in the head of the community that if it doesn't happen, you go back to where you were. So now I'm really attacking your heart. I heard to get in your head like the you, like what is going on up here? Why are you doing it? But now I'm getting to your heart and I get into your heart. That's where it's going to live. It's like this community means everything to me. This community means X, Y. So if someone says, I say, what happens if this doesn't, um, if this doesn't get, you know, changed? I mean, really, I'm not tripping if it doesn't. I'm like, oh, okay, like, then why are you, why are you doing this? Like, this is, this is not the space to be just doing something. It's, it's oh, a lot. No. It's hard. I want to be clear. It's hard to do it. So it's hard, easy principle. Hard up front, easier on the front, on the hard in the back end, easier on the front end because now you have the trust. And we go to the you, the who, the what, like, what is, what is the meaning? What is the this? Like, I just want to get their thoughts going. I record all the sessions. So even if they're not taking notes in the moment, just having that free stream of consciousness and the you, the who, the what, and the why, what, like, why, why does your family need this now? Mm. Like, because yeah, we said why, but why does your family need you to do this? What, what kind of husband do you turn into if you do this? What kind of wife do you become? What kind of mom do you become? Why does your daughter need to see you do this? And that's when it really gets real because it's like, well, my daughter has only seen X, Y, Z. Because if this community, you're only going to service the community you were exposed to, experience something, and now you're empowered by it and you want to enlighten other people, you're only going to do something that comes from a real place. So let's get real because I'm not going to build anything with you. And I can't if you don't even understand those simple things. It's not enough for it just to be the outside. Your first ministry is in your house. Mm -hmm. So where have you been a servant leader first? That first week, but after the bonus week, when I'm attacking the mindset, I also ask them to really unpack where are you a servant leader right now? Mm-hmm. And they like start name, oh, I am this, I'm a wife, I'm a husband, I go to church, this and that. And then I tell them, and then you have the audacity to also pour out more, prepare your heart. And then we go through eight dimensions of wellness that I like, and eight dimensions of wellness will, and making sure that their will is full before they go and run the race to the next thing, or they before they're, they take their vehicle to the next level. Hey, this is action packed right here. This is... <laughs>
Oh, listen, <laughs> listen. I be like, y'all, if I, I tell them all the time, if I could be in my own program, literally, I take these actual things and do them in real time as well. Because I also like, there's a, it's sometimes different when it's like a parent that's, it's easier to have an eagle eye view. And then like, when you're doing it, when you were doing it, you're like, well, I wish I would have did it that way. Like I had to learn a lot of these things in out of order. I'm giving it to them in a really clear order and a really clear thing that I realized after with the one-on-one, -on -one, I'm, that's what made me kind of go, dang, this is a lot. And this is dope. I'm giving them so much stuff. Like, what would this look like in a 12-month time span to really see this developed and, like, really fleshed out? Like, that would change people's lives for real. No, for real. And you was able to get finish line from this. So, like, what other uh, companies and organizations were you able to coordinate partnerships and, and yeah. donors from, from everything you've done? So been able to get finish line, Boys and Girls Club of San Francisco, currently closing in things with the Boys and Girls Club of Dallas, able to get a One Hope winery out of Napa Valley, California, and counting. You know, they just keep, as the organizations develop, and that's crazy because that was also during like the thick of a pandemic, that there were still mm -hmm. these things happening to a, also even to bring more context, to a small, non a startup nonprofit. This is a startup nonprofit. So it's at its smallest level. Like, you know what I mean? Like smallest level in sense of team and what our bandwidth is, but impact is still heavy. So getting those like community partners engaged that we can have a campaign with One Hope Winery out of Napa Valley, California. And that simply came from me also doing an interview and just talking about it. And the woman saw so much passion that one of their, you know, uh, I believe it's called like a community ambassador or something was like, I just want to help your organization. How can I help mm. it? Getting team members, like getting a therapist on our team, you know, and then her providing her resources was so helpful, you know, being able to be connected with so many amazing people. Like I honestly am still like, wow. And this is like, that's why I say in counting because I mean, we're still just getting started, you know? Yeah. You just, you, you hit, but you hitting the ground running. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like literally, for sure. It says your gift will make room for you, bring you before great men. Hey, we got we prophesy now that this uh interview right here gonna bring some of the the top nonprofits in the world. <laughs> I Ooh, believe yes. it. I believe it. I believe it. That's my prayer. Honestly, is that you know, like. My prayer is that when they come, that I actually end up helping someone's nonprofit. I mean, the goal, go beyond me. Like, I don't, like, a, you, a good teacher wants to see, like, you model, I'm modeling what Jesus did. You know what's crazy? I know it's never framed this way, but I heard someone say this before, is that Jesus did what he did on this time in earth, like, on earth, and he gave us this gift of the Holy Spirit so we would go beyond him and do more than what he did physically here. Like it's so, it can be multiplied. We can never obviously, you know, save anyone's life, but he's not asking us to. He's asking us to multiply what he already started in the world. So mm -hmm. multiplication just means more. And that a good teacher wants that. And when I'm looking at my students, like one of my um, clients, her nonprofit is providing healing for Habashas and that is like, you know, East African community and just that she's bridging the, the, 
the ideas around mental health and resources and therapy. And she's really bridging that gap and bringing hope and healing, like internationally bringing it here into America. That's amazing. Like more, like there's so many that have been so helpful that I'm honestly like, God, I just pray they become the next or the biggest because people need that community just needs, I pray that their fire doesn't run out. And I know that God is just going to be faithful with that. And that anytime I feel like, but I'm only this old and I don't feel like I know enough that he actually will fill in those gaps and send the right people. And here's the thing I've learned more than anything. I know that I, I stay in the startup space because I'm so in love with the beginnings of things and helping people really foster that seed. But I also know that like where my understanding is I understand the other things, but not enough to be an expert or a desire to want to do the the grant stuff and getting you all like I don't want to do that. I have a coach to help me do that. So how about I help this have this expert come and help you? And she's raised over twenty six million and counting. So you even got experts coming to help them with. Oh, so the expert coming with the grant writing. Teaching hey, you, she teaching y'all how to write grants too. Teaching you how to write the grants, literally like the teaching you how to become a a, um, a proficient international public speaker. So when you share your idea, you actually are sharing an idea. Like because the more that you share your idea, people are gonna say, "How can I help?" If it gets on the biggest platform. Wait, is it so this this VIP or this would come with the program? So this is what's going to be in the 12 month coaching. So what I told you okay. earlier that that eight weeks, what was on my one on one, that's going to be a part of the 12 months coaching of the boot camp. Then it'll be the grant framework where you get to have access to this framework and this model that has raised over 26 million in counting. You get three industry leader trainings from owning your story and learning how to become a, a public speaker that is like changes the world you learn how to build community relationships at a grassroots level the partner that's coming on and she's doing that raquel she's been amazing she's been in the nonprofit space for many years as a as a, at a very high level but she started her own and in the first year raised ten thousand very easily off of just having that community relationships and that's major for a, a startup nonprofit. and then the third she has a financial, the first one, I mean, he has a seven-figure author coach business. And you literally mm. teaching you how to own your story and how to multiply it into the world with power and authority. And I had told you about Raquel. And then the last one, Raquel, well, the first one's Kyle, Kyle King. And then the last one, Raquel, she's going to be teaching them how to really lean into their finances but leverage everything they have as a nonprofit because mm -hmm. she understands that and she's gone on to write books and doing like has a financial business that has been really successful as well as building her own like space in a nonprofit and like building grants like she's an expert at that and then the bonuses like you get to learn how to pitch your nonprofit in any room and actually get seed money and then you get to a, get a community partner. One of those partners I mentioned will be one of their partners and making that's it. Like a, you get an opportunity to have a guaranteed partner in your like first what month of being an mm. organization. And this is, of course, after they get their 501c3, but I were also teach them that. And then you get to become a TEDx speaker. You get the opportunity to become a TEDx speaker and share your idea on a platform that literally is over 30.6 million and counting like and that's a, that's not even all of it 
That's like not even all of it. There's still stuff coming in the 12 months. And like what? Hey, make sure y'all tap in with Miss O'Hennig because <laughs> this is juicy. This 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 is sauce right here at its finest. I ain't know. I told you, like we had our conversations. I I didn't know the nonprofit space was popping like this. I mean, I, I know like basic stuff. Like I know Cleveland Clinic is a nonprofit, and it's like, wait, y'all a nonprofit? Yeah. <laughs> Cleveland Clinic, NFL, different stuff like that. But I didn't understand like. I know it provides impact, but you know, when some people look at nonprofit, they not, they thinking, oh, you just, you want to help a cause and you small frame and you're not really like doing nothing. You just like the little, little person on the block that come like and, and pass out stuff. Nah, this is really impacting the world and we bringing in dollars. Changing the world. All you have to do is just be convincing and not only that you have to be convincing but you have to be clear you have to be clear about what you offer and the opportunity for people to come alongside you and tracking that and consistency if you are concise you're clear and you are convincing and you and the thing is if they care about the community you don't have to convince much they see already there's a need like there's a need here. You've been providing this solution. Wow, you gave us a different approach. And it goes back to not being a savior. You don't want to demolish the community and say, we already have one savior. We don't need any more saviors. Like you, I tell my clients that we have one savior. We don't need any more. But we do need more servant leaders that will serve first before they step. And that's how you serve, is that you serve first in a space. And that alone, I honestly am like, your excitement always gets me more excited of like, dang, like they don't even know. This is so saucy. Like, oh my gosh. And there's been so much intentionality behind it. I've been really thinking about like, what is something I would have wanted? What's something I would want? You know, what's something that would be helpful to someone who's coming in at a grassroots level and understands like nothing? Because there's multiple, you know, there's 501c6, 501c8, all those different ones. But like where I focus and where most people will focus when they talk about a nonprofit is a 501c3. So doing that is like, I'm just really thankful, Lord, that he's used my, my time in the space, but also what I do in the field and what I'll do in counting and more in this small amount of time at a startup nonprofit myself and being the founder and chief executive that I've been able to provide so much experience in my for-profit you know, consulting business that the vehicle God has me in right now is nonprofit. I'm going to own it completely until it's time to, you know, upgrade it to a new vehicle. Amen. Amen. Appreciate you for coming on here and, and shedding the light of, with this, because first off, you, you, you know, the word, that's the most important part. She know the word, she going to pour that word into you. Then she going to teach you how to run the nonprofit so effectively that you gonna be the next Cleveland Foundation. You gonna be the next uh, Cleveland Clinic. You gonna be the next NFL. So we appreciate you for doing that. And uh, is there anything else you wanna tell the people? Um, That, just to follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at Jasmine O'Hen, J-A-S-M-I-N-E-O-H-E-N. Stay connected, you know, Roam through my page. I literally love talking. DM me and I'm going to be doing my, like I said, my 12 week nonprofit starter 
coaching program and you'll be able to be alongside me for a year and literally change lives. You are a, a world changer, Lamont. You are amazing. I love what God's doing through you and your life. And I just pray that this podcast will touch the corners of the earth and just change so many people's lives. I know you're in a season of shifting and new, new territory, but like you're owning it. And I just pray abundance over you, immediate abundance, you know, in all areas and in your mindset. And as you teach, I just know the spirit of teaching is on you for sure. So may you lean into that even more. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I accept. I accept. I thank you for that. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, we thank you all for logging on to the God's My Source podcast. We bridge the gap between the Bible and the current state of the culture because we know we need God and we got to put God first and everything else comes after. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He didn't say, seek ye first a job. He didn't say, seek ye first business. He didn't say, seek ye first relationship. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all the things that we think we need in life will be added unto us because we got dominion over everything. We don't need to be fighting, trying to, you feel me, fighting for time, trying to hustle. You feel what I'm saying? Like I heard a picture say, there ain't no hustling and holiness anyway. So we don't need to be like fighting for time. We give God our time. He's going to show us what to do with the rest. We give God our money. He's going to show us what to do with the rest. So we thank Jasmine again for coming on here. Make sure y'all follow her. Tap in with her. She a beautiful soul. She's going to help y'all with anything y'all need. Any questions y'all got, she's going to answer them. So. Again, thank y'all for logging on to the Guys My Source podcast, and we will see y'all again.